Today's video is all about the widening wealth gap and how not just to survive, but actually thrive through this ongoing situation. So let's jump in. Hi, my name is James Corsier and welcome to the Money Paradox Podcast. Yes, that's right. We're going through this really, really interesting subject. Well, certainly for me, about the widening wealth gap and how by understanding what it is and how it has happened, we can use that to our advantage and make sure we live a successful, vibrant and fulfilling life given this dynamic that is ongoing. So first things first is what is the widening wealth gap? Well, the effectively, very simply, it is the wealth between various people or groups of people are widening over time. So that the gap is getting bigger between the haves and the haves nots. Haves nots, the have nots. And reason why this is a particularly important conversation at the moment and why a lot of people are talking about it is that 2009 happened 10 years ago and as a result of a big global economic crash a lot of assets dropped hugely in value not only that but a lot of people lost their jobs and there were huge financial negative ripples that went through economies not just uh, the economies where those specific crashes happened but it ripples through the whole of the global economy so here in the UK but also in the US and elsewhere had huge huge uh, negative financial impacts as a result of this crash it was huge at the time everybody thought the world was going to end at the time right now it never does but it felt so real and raw as a result of that the value of assets within the economy dropped a huge amount the stock market hard almost overnight and so many other assets like properties as well devalued now because of that and because of people losing their job and being scared they were going to lose their jobs and so on well then people got very scared they got very fearful they started to uh, def like hold their money whatever money they had together and so on and so money kind of seized up in the economy people stopped spending and that money then didn't get spent on other things and you get this multiplier effect within the economy so every pound you spend somebody who earns that spends it as well but if people don't spend everything seizes up and then the value of products go down and it is a huge huge issue so what did the big governments do well they spent a lot of money they injected money into the economy and they lowered the interest rates that people could effectively borrow uh, money through and they did that as the central banks lowering their interest rate so that other banks could borrow them for less but the trouble was people didn't want to spend this money because they were so scared of the economic situation so where did most of this money go it went into places where people felt it was safe 
So they took this money, because it was obviously very cheap, and it was invested into assets, assets that they felt were safe. So at the beginning, the only people that could benefit from these very, very low prices, if you think about it, when in a very short period of time, the price of something drops by a half, when fundamentally not much has changed, right? You know, not much can happen within six months then is the value really halved? Well, no, the value, a lot of the value is still there, but the price has dropped. So in effect, the price of things are very undervalued. But because there's very little money available, people aren't wanting to spend and so on, people aren't willing to pay the real value uh, in the longer term what things are really worth. But those few people that do have money, the wealthy, the very wealthy, they know this situation. They're what you call the smart money. Where there's all those opportunities, they're able to invest the first. But most people who've lost their jobs, they don't have much money, They've uh, the, the assets they do have have dropped hugely in value. They can't invest. So at the beginning of this 2009 crash, people invested in these assets, but only the very wealthy. So when those assets inevitably went back up, very quickly actually, then the very wealthy became even wealthier. And the people who didn't have much money stayed uh, at that situation or actually worsened because of the economy being so bad, because they didn't have the kind of options that other people did. Now this perpetuated over and over again over the last 10 years, and we're seeing this constant widening of the people who have money uh, and the people who don't have money. And that's because interest rates are still really low. The economy is still quite unsteady. There are many things playing out. And so as a result, now the situation is a bit better and people are able to, to work and spend money and the economy is more improved and more confident. Interest rates are still very low. So that money is being pumped into assets to invest, to get returns, because you can't get it from banks. And so these assets are going up and up and up. The stock market is at an all-time high. Okay. Now that might sound, well, who, you know, who cares? It always keeps going up. So we constantly get these all-time highs. But the really interesting thing is we, we're in a super boom, is what they call it. Since 2009, we have had the longest ever boom period ever in history. 10 years of, of, of growth. The growth rate in the stock market has been phenomenal since then. But for most people who've lived through 2009, what has happened is we've got very defensive, we've got very risk averse, we've got scared, we don't want to invest because Either you've invested and got burnt and lost a lot of money, or you didn't invest, but you saw how all of these assets absolutely crippled overnight and all the pain and worry and stress and fear around all that and kind of vowed, you know what, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to invest. And there's this new wave of people who just don't ever want to invest. Now, the trouble with that is that if you don't invest, and you just keep your money in the bank, especially with the situation with interest rates being so, so low, 
is that not only are you not benefiting from great returns from investments like so many people have done historically, but also inflation is actually eating away at your money. Most people who put their money into banks get a return lower than inflation. And that means their money is actually going down in value over time. Think about it. For most people, their money is devaluing over the time. So they're saving the money, they're working really hard to build up their wealth for those that are able to do it. And yet they're still actually losing money over time. So as a result of this, because the, these assets have actually been going up since 2009, a lot of people have been doing very well from this. And the economy generally, when people talk about it in the news, governments talk about it, they talk about the economy doing so well. When in 10 years, we've had such a huge growth in the economy. On the surface, it looks like everything is great. But for most people who haven't actually invested in these assets that have gone up in value, they're sitting there thinking, I'm not in a good situation. You know, I don't earn much more uh, than I did 10 years ago. I've been unemployed for big periods of time. I have less job security, right? You know, I'm fearful. I'm nervous since 2009. I don't feel I'm in a good place. And a lot of the people I know are in that situation too. So they feel in a, in a difficult situation, in a negative situation. And yet they hear from government and other sources that the economy is doing great and people are making money and so on. And they feel like, what's going on? Are people stealing my money? Are people, you know, holding on to this money and not letting me have it? And it develops all of these negative views, this suspicion, this frustration, this anger towards people that have money. And through that, we develop things like populism. And that's why so many leaders have gone in that are much more controversial, that are much more sensational, that use much more uh, challenging language. There's this move away from facts and, and logical reason to emotional arguments and us versus them. And with all that, it brings a whole more challenging and fighting behavior, a lot more, a lot more turmoil. When you look at studies on how much negative news there is now compared to, you know, 20 years ago, it is so, so much higher and it comes from this disparity that is coming from the widening wealth gap. Equally, it's happening in business as well, not just on an individual basis. If you think about it, more and more money and the share of market capitalization is going into very few companies, the likes of Google, Amazon, Apple, Facebook. And that is because of innovation and technology. The way the world is moving is that most of innovation and collateral and technology and the value around all that is just moving into these few companies because they have the ability of the monopoly to, to leverage all of that value. Now, I personally think that's actually a good thing 
in some respects because those companies are able to provide a huge value because they have the monopoly of the situation but it comes with a whole load of problems because if they're obtaining most of that value then for all the other companies or the business that are trying to compete it becomes more and more difficult so given all of this what do we do if you're finding yourself in the situation where you are on the edge between being somebody that is in the higher situation and actually doing very well and becoming wealthy and somebody who is moving away then this is something you want to be listening to and if also you're somebody that feels like you're one of those people that is moving on the lower directory and you're almost feeling like you're moving further away from people that are that are that are doing well then the first thing I would say is you want to reframe the situation. Now, yes, there is this widening wealth gap. But if you think about it, everybody for the last 10 years, generally speaking, has actually done better. Because although you may feel like, say, your income hasn't gone up, because of technology and innovation and so on, what we can actually do do with our money the life that we can live since 10 years ago is is generally better they kind of you know think about what you can do in your smartphone the information you have access to through through online and so on it's amazing just in the last 10 years but we forget about that because we always want to compare ourselves to other people so let's say you are able to do twice as many things have twice as many options right but everyone around you has 10 times as many options. Well, even though you are twice better off, compared to everybody else, you're worse off. So you're gonna feel worse. So the first thing I wanna say is, reframe it, look at all the things that are better in your life, or the people around you's life, anyway, okay? Because if you have a negative view, that negativity is gonna breed. If you have a positive view, that's gonna breed within you, to other areas of life, and also those around you. The second thing is, there are so many opportunities that have come from this boom. We've had a 10-year boom. Asset prices have gone up a huge amount. Big companies have grown and all of this innovation has come around that, right? There's so many opportunities for us to learn, to grow, to succeed in business, right? Working for these companies, whatever, right? There's so, so many opportunities. So instead of looking at other people doing better than you, Look for all of these amazing opportunities around you and think, how can I take advantage of them, right? That will give you that hunger and excitement and curiosity to, to live a better life, all right? So that's about reframing. The next thing is about bridging the gap, okay? So if you feel like you're somebody that is you know, in a financially difficult place, but there's all these people around you that you feel like are doing better, right? then understand those people. Think about what is it specifically they've done that have been able to become wealthy and get curious about that, learn about it. Now, be careful at this point not to just focus on things that you feel are out of your control. Like, oh, they already had money. So they just got the money they already have and they've used it to get more money. I don't have money. I can't do anything. 
Well, yes, one way you can do better and make more money is by having money. You can take that money and you invest it to get more money. Yes, that is true. That's not the full picture. You need to know how to invest, right? Just because you've got money, it's very easy to lose money. There are so many things that these people are doing to, to, to do better in, uh, within their situation and to prosper from it. So instead of looking at those people that have done well and are financially successful, look at those people, think about what they're doing and think about what are those things, what are some of those things that you can adopt and put into your life to improve your financial situation actually ask those people if there's people around you in fact i bet you anyone no matter who you are if you really really think about it there'll be people around you that you know or friends of friends that are either financially successful already or already on that journey find those people befriend them ask them genuinely look i really want to do well in this area how can i do better what is it that you recommend this is my situation what would you do if you were in my situation You'd be amazed at how much people are willing to give you free advice and really help you. People instinctively want to help others, right? You just gotta go out there, be vulnerable and ask, all right? I have learned so much doing that uh, through the people around me and it doesn't where I am in whatever situation, not just in my finances. I'm hungry to find people who are those steps ahead of me to learn from, to be mentored uh, by because that is how we grow. We grow from the people around us, right? We are, as they always say, the average of the, the five people we hang out with the most, the most. And I am a big, big believer in that philosophy. The last thing I'll talk about is reframing how you are able to get money or finances or income right from this world so for most people they think well I just need to go get a job and I go get a job and they will pay me x amount of money for every hour I do or every month I work there or every year you know I get an, an annual salary or this amount per hour right so if I want more money I just need to work more hours right or just work there for longer the trouble with that concept is it kind of binds you into a situation where there's a limit on how much you can earn because you only have so much time. The reality is you don't get paid for how much time you work. You get paid for how much value you provide that company. It just so happens that it takes you that much time to add that much value. So if you thought of a way to add twice as much value in the same amount of time. And you could prove that, you could show categorically to your employer that you're able to do that. They will pay you more money, 100%. If you ask for 50% more money and you were able to give them twice as much value, it would be a no-brainer for them. And even if, in the rare situation, they weren't willing to do that, you would easily be able to go get a job at a much higher income because you're able to add so much more value, all right? Really think about it from that concept of value. Even if you're in a business, how do I add more value to the clients, the customers that I serve? And that is when you will get more money. You have to always give more value to somebody than 
the money they're giving you, right? Otherwise, they're not going to give you that money. Now, <coughs> the second thing around this that I want to kind of talk about is innovation and creativity. Historically, it was all very in kind of industrial age. You work for a company, you're a small cog in a machine. You get really, really good at being the best cog you can be so that the machine overall can be as effective as possible. And this machine can produce money and wealth and value. And then you can get paid through the person that is managing this machine representative of the value you've added as being this one piece of the cog, one piece of the machine. That is how a lot of people kind of grown up and how we study. We, we study and go to school to learn subjects, to pass exams, to get to the next stage, to get to the next stage and prove that we are better than the other people. So we are a really good employee and we, we do what we're told. We learn what we're told and we uh, answer the questions that we are asked to answer, right? We're programmed to be employees. Now, I would say where we are moving going forward is more into, into a situation where less and less jobs are needed because of technology. You know, robots, machines and, and computers are doing more and more jobs. Everything is becoming more and more automated. So if you're doing a job that's kind of like a cog, then those jobs are becoming less and less valuable and less skill is needed and so and so if you have those kind of jobs you're going to get paid less your job security is going to lower okay and if you're in that situation you are absolutely be on the negative side of the widening wealth gap but if you're one of those few people that's creative innovative you can join a company and help change its direction come up with new ways to add value within this world then you are the few one of the few people that can genuinely move the direction of the business and those kind of jobs are the kinds of jobs that technology certainly at the moment cannot take from you because it's it, it requires that that smart kind of critical thinking not just a process not just following a system the other thing is as well around creating business creating opportunities think about you know innovative ways of adding value within this world is there something that's missing at the moment or even just how you do your job so for example freelance work contracting this stuff is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger because companies want to be more flexible want to be able to respond more quickly to the environment and the market and they do that like for example freelance work where the where you can pull on people that have specialized specific knowledge and can also be flexible in how they support the business and when they support the business okay so in summary my three pieces of advice to thrive within this widening wealth gap is one reframe your situation Look at all the great positive things that have come over the recent history. All of the amazing opportunities uh, that have come from it. That you, the, 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 the situation for most people, certainly since 10 years ago, is so much better with all the options and availabilities that we have. Second, learn to bridge that gap from learning 
from the people that have been successful and are already successful and on that journey of doing really, really well in this area, learn from them, surround yourself by these people, ask them questions uh, to improve, to adopt those things and improve in that area yourself. And then lastly, seek to add value through what you do to make money. Focus more on innovation and creation because that is where the world is moving. That is where the world recognizes the most value and is more most willing to provide uh, money in in exchange for that value the more innovative and creative you can be in this world the more value you can provide in this world the wealthier you will absolutely be all right that's all from me i hope you enjoy this video and i'll see you next week take care bye bye